This is Farta. Oh, there wow. we go. That's yeah. what we're going. Do you remember the uh, Meet the Spartans movie? Oh fuck yeah, dude! Hell yeah, bro! Actually, I think I think I watched that at Ryan's house one night. <laughs> uh, I think he I think he was like working at Hollywood Video maybe, and um, we uh, it was around the time of like Scary Movie and Not Another Teen Movie, and then that one came out, Meet the Spartans, and it was so there was like was, date movie, superhero movie, uh, disaster movie. Yeah, but those at least followed a theme uh-huh. and with this one it was like actually i kind of want to go back and watch that <laughs> like <laughs> i uh it, it's just got it's got to be the most chaotic one of the most chaotic films i've ever seen what in, do you, in the worst what, ways possible what do you imagine that movie was by okay. the way that's that's what this episode is about is about it's about meet the Spartans. If, if, uh, if our Patreon listeners didn't know, what what do you imagine like without revisiting? What do you think Meet the Spartans is about? In the sense of like superhero movie, like if you're guessing based on like date movie, so I guess it's like a romantic comedy kind of right, trope right. thing. Scary movie, of course, we know what that is. But even it doesn't follow it. But that's that's beside the point. Uh, scary movie is kind of like elevated above this and then everything yeah, is just scary, like scary not another teen movie is like yeah. above that too but sure, it, it's sure. it was an era for sure and and honestly like the original version of all these films is the one that did it the best which is airplane mm-hmm. that was a parody of those disaster films that were coming out in the 70s and stuff um, but yeah, meet the Spartans I I remember I remember watching it it just veers off into directions that aren't it's not comedy Mm -hmm. it's it's literally it's just a it just feels like a stream of conscious consciousness uh uh nothing but a a stream of consciousness pop culture references do you remember the onion movie worst waste way possible but uh yeah yeah i do i do that had some funny bits in it okay i feel like there was a time frame where people were just like Throwing collages together, essentially, and calling it a film. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That that had a bit of a plot to it, and they the that Onion movie, if I remember correctly. But yeah. uh, but the Meet the Spartans, I don't, I, I literally don't think there is a plot to it. I think it is just, it's just a. What does pastiche mean? What does the word pastiche mean? I think mean? that kind of fits in this. I want to I want to use the word pastiche here. It's a pastiche of nonsensical pop culture references, one right after the other, and they have nothing to do with each other. Hmm. And it's not at least with a movie like Date Movie or Not Another Teen Movie, Scary hmm. Movie. There is at least the unifying theory of we are satirizing this genre of movie and meet the Spartans. I'm pretty sure there's like Shrek references in it and shit. Mm. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So there was also a thing called Epic Movie in 2007. Oh, Epic and movie. I, I feel like that's like movie. I feel like that's kind of like going into the same thing. I feel like Epic Movie and Meet the Spartans could technically be like one movie because like, well, so but Meet the Spartans like the title. Of it mm-hmm. so oh, the, meet the parents meet the parents Ooh. so it's referencing 300 and meet the parents you know those two movies that are part of the same genre of filmmaking 
meet mm-hmm. the parents in 300. You know, this doesn't, this was just like, this feels like, uh, so just from reading what it references, it really feels like when, um, and no disrespect for the series of movies, but when Jackass does those like 0.5 movies yeah. where it's like they're leftover things, yeah, yeah, that's what this feels like. It's so it's saying it's it's a parody of 300, Shrek the Third, Casino Royale, Royale, Happy Feet, American <laughs> Idol, Happy Feet, yeah, a Ghost Rider, uh, America's Not Next Top Model, Dancing with the Stars, Spider Man Three, Rocky Balboa, Transformers, Deal or No Deal, Rambo, Gladiator, Ugly Betty. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Ugly Betty. Yeah. Like it, it's it's really it's like the cast off. It's like it's like they decided to make a movie combining all of like the third rate pop culture of the prior five years or so. Yeah, they're really just like going off of what was happening at the time. So okay, there's an adult Leonidas is cast out into the wild, survives the harsh winter, and hunts down a gangsta penguin, and then Happy Feet says. So it kind of, I guess it just kind of does the plot of 300. No, but just pops in pop. That's stuff. that's not what that's not what happens to Leonidas in 300. He's not cast <laughs> out into the wilderness. Well, he, he's he's like made to. There's that those kind of flashbacks. Okay, all right, maybe we should back up some. Because <laughs> oh, we, we're really gonna fucking talk about Meet the Spartans instead. No, 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 no. Because no. I think okay. So all right. So since we're talking about 300, explain what the plot of it is. Okay, explain the plot of 300. Should I just read the Wikipedia synopsis? <laughs> yeah, so one of us knows where we're going. Okay, I'll just, just so that it's, uh, you know, we, we have a cohesive... We did rewatch this. Yes. People and, listen. Uh, yes, I swear to God we did. Okay, for the, not the number 300, I want the film 300. Okay. So I wonder the... what it says about the number 300. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. <laughs> All right, in 479 BC, one year after the Battle of Thermopylae, Delios, a hoplite in the Spartan army, begins his story by depicting the life of Leonidas I from childhood to kingship via Spartan doctrine. Delios's story continues, and a Persian herald arrives at the gates of Sparta, demanding earth and water as a token of submission to King Xerxes. The Spartans reply by throwing the envoy and his escort down into a bottomless pit. Leonidas then visits the ephors, proposing a strategy to drive back the numerically superior Persians through the hot gates. His plan involves building a wall in order to funnel the Persians into a narrow pass between the rocks and the sea, negating the Persian advantage in numbers and giving the Greeks heavy infantry the advantage over the vast waves of Persian light infantry. The ephors consult the oracle who decreed that Sparta may not go to war during the Carnea. As Leonidas angrily departs, an agent from Xerxes appears, rewarding the ephors for their covert support. So that's that's the, basically the first however many minutes of the film. You know, most of the film takes place uh, like with the Spartans fending off the Persians. But yes, 300... Uh, to, to put all of that in layman's terms, that's from the Wikipedia entry, and it goes on. There's more paragraphs. 300 is a film about white men that invented democracy going against the directions of the old creepy prophets and protecting one's home from invading Middle Easterners that are probably gay. 
Is that that's, Wikipedia says that? No, that's what I. That's my okay. synopsis. Okay. That's, that's what the film is telling you. <laughs> you had me until then because I was like, I was like, damn, the Wikipedia is even saying they're white. Because I was yeah. like, I don't know if the movie realizes that these people aren't white. It's it's uh so. Or wait, am I start... just telling? Or... <laughs> I mean, I was like, I mean... damn, did I just tell them myself? Uh, somehow. Um, so, so the the reason we're doing this episode, let's let's okay. We we need to backtrack even further. Okay, so I recently watched this movie uh, with uh, our fifteen year old uh, foster son. Um, he's like I'm introducing him to like just random pop culture stuff that I uh, saw when I was younger, and I thought, ooh, this will be a stylized movie. Like I, I knew it, it's it's problematic. The depictions of uh, certain cultures are super xenophobic and shit like that. Like, I knew that going in. Mm. Uh, but I was like, the shit looks cool, right? Like, this will yeah. be up a 15-year-old's alley. So I rewatched 300 with him. And as I'm watching it, it slowly dawns on me that the modern super aggro Instagram conservative aesthetic that a lot of men try to emulate basically all traces back to this movie, Hmm. whether it's the beards, whether it's the, uh, basically the, the being super into CrossFit, uh, bullshit. I don't know if you remember those workout videos going viral of the, of the dudes, you know, getting, getting prepared for 300, uh, all the actors, um, the, Obsession with protecting your home, and by your home, I mean your wife and your children from invading brown people that Mm -hmm. are a part of an exotic foreign culture that uh, you don't understand, that are deviants, that are, you know, depicted as, as demons sometimes, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. um, you're the, you're the torch bearer of democracy and freedom and never bending the knee. And your wife has your back. And she says, you either come back with your shield or on it, you know, <laughs> that, that type of, of super male fantasy, especially Mix in with the fact that this movie came out during the height of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Yeah. Uh, those were only about uh, four and five or six years old at the time, respectively, mm-hmm. uh, when this film came out in 2007. Um, basically, you know, the, the if you scroll Instagram, if you get any into any of this, like, manosphere... Uh, fat diet fascism shit that is so popular with young men. It it's all like I feel like it's all rooted primarily in this movie, and films that depict war in general. Uh, uh, like if it's a realistic depiction, and particularly like that you know that genre of movies called uh uh shoot and cry movies. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Like, I don't know, probably like a Pete Berg or Mark Wahlberg with the. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where where you go to war and you're a badass, but you cry after you kill someone because you didn't really want to want to uh, you didn't really want to do it. It shows 
the viewer that the hero still isn't isn't a cold-blooded kill they're a killer because that's cool and badass but mm -hmm. they're a killer that still has emotions you want you want your your audience to empathize it's it's a phrase uh uh that that's used uh, particularly with um, uh, in Israeli cinema. Uh, they they produce a lot of shoot and cry movies because they want you to be empathetic with the guy that's killing the people that are you know uh, second class citizens and shit. Um, so basically, those movies depict war in a way that is quite often unappealing. You know, like even if the hero is killing somebody. It's not, it's, it's, it's glorified, but like there's, there's much more at the time, there was much more exploration into the idea of PTSD and people coming home broken and stuff. Uh, but with 300, it's just this fucking boner raging goddamn, uh, male homoerotic fantasy of fighting with other hot dudes, yeah. uh, because your hot wife uh, mm -hmm. wants you to, to go die on her behalf, you know, to protect the, the, to protect democracy, you know, you're, you're yeah. Greek, you're part of Greece. Home and country. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it was just like, it, it all come like watching this movie, like all of these thoughts started culminating. And as I'm watching it and like remembering the lines and stuff, uh, is, I was just like, man, this is really this is so like this came out 15 years ago, right? This came out in 2007. Yeah. The people that are basically were coming of age when this movie came out, they are now running for political office. Mm -hmm. They are now buying homes. They are now starting families or have started families. They are basically the middle class, right? And as a result, what they were, what was impressed upon them, the, the pop culture sensations at the time, I feel like gave them brain worms. And I said as much, I, I tweeted out this idea. I was like, this movie, <laughs> this movie clearly gave a whole generation of young men, like rotted their goddamn brains, gave them all brain yeah. worms as far as like what they thought masculinity was. What and you... it's, it's not solely, I, yeah, I want to yeah. say this too, like I'm being a little hyperbolic here. There, there was plenty of other media to choose from there. Yeah. What do you feel like when you tweeted that uh, based on who follows you and whatnot, what do you feel like the response was to that? I mean, I'm basically agreement. Okay. Uh, for, the, All right. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of people uh, agreed with it is like, you know, it's, it's, it is, the most highly stylized film that I can think of depicting something that allegedly happened, you know, assuming that the, the historians, the Greek historians got most of the story correct. Uh, it wasn't just 300 Spartans. It was also actually, it was, uh, I think 900, which <laughs> is as funny as uh, thespians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which um, I guess yeah. this is where the term comes from. But reading that, I was like, damn, they had a bunch of actors there too. Yeah. Uh, and so um, uh, the original crisis actors, maybe, maybe that's, that's <laughs> they were just right. kind of thrusting spears, exactly, not really exactly. at anybody. Yeah. They were just extras in the background. Yeah. It's like in uh, Dunkirk, <laughs> supposedly he uh, made like cardboard cutouts of other soldiers. So sometimes in the background, there's just 
like if you see a bunch of soldiers at a point they're just cardboard cutouts oh shit yeah so and in the actual war it's just people like thrusting spears <laughs> not really there's just movement you so know. so there was there wasn't just the 300 there was like other there was i think in total i think it adds up to maybe like uh close to 2000 people there like at this battle uh at the hot gates um, holding back Xerxes' army. And of course, like the historians say it was like a million man army that Xerxes had. In reality, it was probably like closer to a hundred thousand or so, uh, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, so big ass army, not, not taking that away from whatever happened in real life. However, this depiction of battle and again, of the, the white guy and whether, the people uh were white originally you've got all british guys playing like it's all white yeah. dudes in the film yeah. and that's that's the important part here it's not the actual story it's what you're being shown on screen which is you know there, there's a joke on twitter if somebody has a roman or greek bust in their twitter profile picture you can assume they're a fascist <laughs> uh because they're so obsessed with that period and the western civilization values and aesthetic that it's you scroll their likes and you can pretty pretty quickly find out what they're what they're all about you know yeah i i think i was trying to like think of like who we were around this time or like when you feel like you watched it and when it came out in 2007 do you feel like you remember liking it uh yeah i thought it was cool as hell yeah, I thought yeah, it was I'll, too. I'll be honest. Like, I don't, I don't think I thought much past it. I think the only thing I remember, even like leaving the movie, was like with how stylized it was. It felt really cool in the theater, but I was like, I don't know if I'll rewatch that because I don't think I'll get the same feeling that I did sure. watching it in that moment. Um, and then that kind of became like a thing in movies. I think even before with like Sin City and stuff with like Frank Mil the Frank yeah, Miller thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I was, and so that kind of became like a thing in movies too, kind of after this, like with that highly stylized thing, but well, is that, just like, is that think Zach about it Snyder? Is that yeah. Zach? Who, who directed, uh, Sin City? Sin City is direct. Is well, Robert? it's credited, it's credited, uh, Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez. Essentially, okay. I think okay. Robert Rodriguez did all the like, technical aspects, but he wanted to make sure that Frank Miller, uh, was able to be like given his vision too. Sure, uh, sure. But Frank Miller also directed things like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like RoboCop three. Like he had been given the opportunity, even though he was like a comic book guy, given the sure. opportunity because of his highly visual style to direct movies. Like, not really to good results. But I, I mean, even at the time, like Sin City, I feel like it's like pretty well regarded. You know. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I remember, I remember liking it, Sin yeah. City as well, and and thinking back on it, I remember most of that. It, it really is like it's just it's junk food visually, even if there is like a fun story underneath it that you know you're not supposed to take too seriously. Yeah, it's it's super junk food visually, which is why I think. It, it's probably got a similar place to a lot of the Marvel movies, mm -hmm. which is like you're going to have an immediate 
a very immediate gratification, and then you'll never think about these films again. You'll never digest them, even if there was something that the movie was trying to say. Even if the director had subtext that they were trying to get across, you will never ever process it unless you really you really sit down and try to analyze it and and figure out if there is any any messages besides just what's on the screen yeah it's like with uh one captain america movie winter soldier i can't remember specifically which one but uh it's like they say it's like a kind of reference to like day of the condor and like 70s kind of thrillers and stuff like and it's like i yeah i guess i mean i guess because you have robert redford's in it so you're like oh he was the guy in dave condor so yeah so i i've heard that same thing and then i finally watched winter soldier and did not get that vibe from it at all like yeah i mean it is like it's hard i was thinking about something like the other day and it kind of ties into this where it's like uh i i like art I also like riding a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but they're not the same thing, and sure. it's fine. And yeah, I think it gets weird and kind of annoying when it's like, you know, like Quentin Tarantino was like, they're not movie stars, and then every person that's been in a Marvel movie jumps out and, like, defends it. And it's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you have the person that makes, like, this art film, and then they get scooped up and they start designing roller coasters for MCU. And it's right, like... right. They're different things, but it's like you got to know which one you're on. Are you yeah. at a? Are you in an art? Uh, are you in an art museum? Or are you at a roller coaster? And it's like it's fine to do both. You know, sure, it's like, sure. but don't make it something it's not. And I think that's what's weird about like this movie where people attach a lot of political things to it. Um, I guess ourselves included, but also like where obviously a lot of right wing males, kind of prepper types, have done it. Where See, I'm I not really sure if that's what. Zack Snyder even intended. I don't. I think he's like an empty vessel, like Mike, Mike, uh, fucking, uh, Michael Bay, right? In a sense, right. like I don't know. I think you can, and that's that's the complicated thing that we'll probably get to. So I don't want to jump too far ahead. Where it's like, of course, it can be read as a thing, but it's it's important to understand potentially the context of what the person intended. But then again, that doesn't mean you can't. And society can't read it as the thing it came across as. Sure. But sure. it's sort of like give you a pat on the head, you know, Frank going back to Frank Miller, like this is a Frank Miller graphic novel. Right. And also I don't know if he thought what he was intended, and but I think some of that started catching up with like his work. And so it kind of yeah, I don't know. So I feel like I'm kinda of jumping ahead, but I wanted to plant a little bit of seeds there to sure, kind of like just because sure. we're trying to think about it. Not definitely... just as like a dig of like the time because we were all on board too. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, like it yeah. was, it was some of this like early, like some of the film techniques that they used in it and stuff were like it was the the early stages of you know this is pre Iron Man coming out right like this mm-hmm. is this is like one of the I feel like one of the earlier besides the Spider Man movies a it was a bloody comic book film you know it was it was which is you still don't see very many of those um it's it's weird because this is not an original i mean it's not an original story right it's Mm -hmm. a retelling of a story that's been around for thousands of years so 
it would be one thing if Frank Miller made this up whole cloth and used, you know, drew cultures to stand in for his good guys and bad guys, but he didn't, he didn't even, he didn't do that. So I do want to give him a little benefit of the doubt. Same with Zack Snyder. Obviously he's interpreting, he's, you know, adapting the the book. Uh, He didn't, you know, uh, uh, pick the Persians as the invaders. However, the depiction is all them, right? Yeah, yeah there's, that's, yeah, there's that's, nothing that's, he could have done. I mean, I think he is. T- that's that's the hard thing because there is like a thing that it's Zack Snyder essentially would cut out pieces of the comic book mm-hmm. and kind of paste them up and be like, let's recreate the shot. Sure, and he did. Uh, he, he, he recreated did. so much. He did, and so I think there is an aspect of like that that even with like going into the Persians. I think he wanted to capture as it was in the comic book, but he also, it feels like he can't just be an empty vessel. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. He can't, like, you know, it's like, it's, it, I don't know. Yeah, so, so it's interesting. I think, like, that was, it feels like that's all that was going through his head. <laughs> was yeah, like, yeah. I have to create this as is. And then it's like, no one told him. But I don't know if, it's like when I watched it in 2007, I don't feel like I was like, wow, that looks, that's kind of racist, you know? And I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so as a culture, it's like kind of weird looking back at it, you know? Uh, But even some of the kind of things that I did with like a little research I did going into it, I was trying to like, just see what people thought of it at the time. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of journalists that were just straight up like, (laughs) this is racist in 2007. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So that's on me. Uh, You know, so it's like, cause I was kind of like, oh, I hope people didn't just wake up and go, wow, in hindsight, that was racist. Right. right. But, but I was like, well, that's nice (laughs) that in 2007, there were links to things that were just like, uh, yeah, I think one of the titles is uh, 300 is a movie only a fascist could love. Or yeah. something like that, or a fascist could like. Yeah. Um, try to. Uh, yeah, a movie only a Spartan could love, and then three hundred as fascist art. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it. Persian shrug, uh, and then uh, just on well on Reddit three years ago, so not really counting what I was saying, but three hundred is racist. This the uh, you know topic there, and then kind of like a newer one too on Reddit that was like. Is Snyder, it was like kind of every ist, like a Snyder homophobic, is Snyder racist, right, and kind right. of a discor- uh, discussion about that. Uh, you know, so uh, 300 is a dangerous piece of fantasy, uh, 2007, and then the kind of subheader of that article from The Guardian says, if war kicks off with Iran in the coming months, I'll know where to point the finger of blame, and it won't <laughs> be the White House. Uh, that's that's quite the uh <laughs> that's quite the leap from yeah. a uh a, a comic book movie to it I'm gonna hold this thing responsible for war with Iran yeah. and absolve the Bush White House. Like, yeah, yeah. Come on, dog. Yeah, what the fuck yeah. are you even talking about? <sighs> uh yeah, th- so so what this movie does is ignore all of the rulers before Xerxes, uh, all of the relationship between Persia, the Persian Empire, and the Greek Empire, and the intermingling and relationship that it had well before this this moment takes place. What it does is it drops you into a moment 
that is almost like you get the vibe from the movie that it is uh, uh, basically these cultures are meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, again, the brown exotic people uh, are basically standing in for not just our war in the Middle East right now, uh, you know, when the movie uh, was was coming out in 2007, when we were, I mean, I guess I don't even know what the status of all of that shit is uh, anymore, quite honest with you. Uh, but like in 2007, it was at the height of the Iraq war. Uh, but also domestically, the, again, trace the lines back to today. What did Trump run on in 2016? Building the wall, holding the invading brown people back that are trying to pour in uh, across our border uh, and harm our women and children. Uh, You know, like Trump says that they're sending their worst uh, to, you know, rape our kids and and steal our women and jobs and everything else. You know what I mean? Like all of that xenophobic racist bullshit. Uh, It's the movie basically presents a stylized version that you can root for the white guys to defend uh, the, the homeland from. Yeah. So again, that, that there's that line in there. There's also the line early on in the movie, which I thought would, I just, it made me laugh when I rewatched it. Uh, Leonidas mentions the philosopher boy lovers in Athens yeah. Uh, basically equating intelligentsia with pedophilia. Mm-hmm. And obviously the obsession, the, the rights obsession in particular with uh, uh, the idea of child trafficking cabals and uh, pedophilia within rings of power or you know like so you know powerful social circles and stuff uh that's uh, what pizzagate was it's what QAnon's all about it's what uh you know people in congress accuse uh, basically every person that's ever voted democrat of being secretly as a pedophile there's there's lines about that in the movie too you know what i mean yeah. like the and and the the clash of the spartan culture versus the academia that wants to fuck kids basically yeah and also the kind of retelling of history with that that it's like that the spartans weren't a part of that yeah exactly and society exactly. Yeah. it's like yeah. culturally in those in those civilizations with like spartans and greece and whatnot like that was like an accepted practice. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And absolutely. so it's funny that the I mean, it's it's really just kind of like the movie in a nutshell and kind of just painting cuz it's like I know the movie wouldn't go <laughs> into explain, well the context here, we also yeah, do this yeah. thing. It's like they have to just kind of create and I guess that's the dilemma of like a filmmaker. It's like you I guess you just want a clear villain like a white hat and a black hat. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know? And, and so it's like I get it in the context of that, but it's like, and then what's funny, he does, Zack Snyder's done, and uh, and once again, we're not trying to like make Zack Snyder like the boogeyman in this, but it's like, because it feels like a cultural thing, 
but there's uh, he kind of mentioned like oh i presented this to historians and they were like oh this is correct this is more correct than a lot of uh kind of depictions of these societies which which in a way and i don't want to make the leap too completely but it, that feels almost like a trumpian kind of statement i mean i showed it to the people and you know they were like this is this is outstanding yeah you know yeah, yeah. and it's like but is it it's got to be one thing or the other are you trying to do a roller coaster or are you trying to do a piece of art and it feels like you're trying to recreate this this basically fictionalized account of this comic book yeah like even with like frank miller making it he was like i knew that essentially you know they they had the kind of i think phalanx is the term the, the kind of thing where they kind of become one soldier which yeah. is the thing yeah, yeah. that they talk about in it and it's like but in his depictions graphically he couldn't just put them all in the suits at all times like right, he had to right. like kind of have them bare chested because he was like it looks better in a comic book right and that, you know? that comes down to that uh that that stylization of war uh that it makes it uh look like there's glory in it instead of it being you know the age-old uh, lived experience quote of war is hell yeah and you know? there was like another that, but there that's was what another war actually is it's yeah. not yeah and it's, it's like... not being it's not being bronzed and six-packed abs <laughs> and in and dying next to your brother it is dick down in the mud with flies eating your eyeballs after you die at the age of 19 that's what <laughs> war actually is yeah, which is also funny to think that, like, it feels like most people in this movie, like, no one's really younger than, like, it feels like 30. In the oh, movie, yeah, which yeah. Is a funny thing in hindsight, which I, it is a problem with really almost any movie, except, like, I watched Dunkirk recently, and it's like, oh, those are actually children throughout yeah, the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, and so that, I was like, huh. You know? that, that, movie, that movie does a good job of, of depicting how goddamn terrifying it would have been to have a screeching German fighter plane like barreling down on you on the the beaches of dunkirk like yeah. that is fucking terrifying and i remember people were kind of um shitting on that because it's like when harry styles but i'm like i don't know i mean like it was like especially during that time it's like that's probably what most 20 year old soldiers would look like oh yeah so it would yeah, have been absolutely. more i don't know who in 2007 would have been the equivalent for 300 yeah but... another another great uh war movie that's come out recently is uh 1918 is that the name 1917. of it? 1917. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. I was off. I actually started watching Dunkirk thinking it was 1917 <laughs> and realized that I wasn't watching the right movie when Tom Hardy's plane in Dunkirk was like way too sophisticated to be World War II. And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. You mean and, World, World War I? Yeah, World War I. And yeah, I was yeah. like, wait, this isn't right. They got like fucking guns on these things. Cause in World War I, they were just like dropping bombs like Nintendo games, you know. 1917 is one of the most technically impressive movies I've ever seen. Because uh, it, it, I don't know if you know the the kind of the shtick. It's all, it, it looks like it's all one cut. Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's no visible edits in the that's entire yeah, And that's why I wanted to watch it. Then I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I'm not watching the right movie. <laughs> um, but you had never seen Dunkirk? Before? I had never seen Dunkirk. Fuck. So, those, are, those are both incredible movies. There's a thing that kind of happens um, with... So essentially, if there's like a movie, usually it's like kind of Oscar baitish kind of movie. Like, I'll put it on my list, but it's an actual good movie. So Sarah's like, hey, watch that movie with me. Right. Then the issue is finding the time to watch it together. And then sure. essentially, I feel like... You know, it, it, I've had friends who are like, just watch it without her and then rewatch it. I'm like, I don't want to rewatch it. Well, <laughs> I'll right, just wait. Right. I'm not in a rush. But then it's like, then it's like three years later and like the other day I just watched Tenet. 
Uh-huh. You know, and it's like because I just, we could never find the time, and then sure, when you're sitting sure. there at like nine o'clock at night, you're like I don't want to start an almost three hour long movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm then bad. it's three hours later, you haven't watched it. You know, I I got a question about Dunkirk. Uh, spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Dunkirk, do you know who the mole is? Uh is that the ABC show with? <laughs> no, there's a whole chapter in the movie called the mole. Man, I so this is something that I did that was kind of dumb. I, when I'm working from home, I'll I'll put on a movie, and usually they're movies that are like I don't really need to pay, pay attention. Uh-huh. I realized also on that one and Tenant because I did that during my work day. Mm-hmm. I think that I probably shouldn't be wa- working while watching these, so I think I missed so much. Uh, so uh-huh. uh, I, it was kind of a trick question. Um, there is like Dunkirk is broken up into I think like three chapters where it's like land sea and air so mm-hmm. like there's trying to get you know the the boat part the the you know sailors trying to go rescue the boys off of the the beaches at dunkirk there's yeah. that that part out at sea and then there is tom hardy in the plane the mole that comes up on the screen and you're like okay so one of these guys is a spy right no that is an old british term for like a piece of land that juts out the mole like it's it's like a it's like a geographical uh, uh, thing. So like, I looked up the plot, and I'm like, I don't fucking know who was the goddamn mole. Like, the, who was the spy in this movie? You know? <laughs> and I looked it up, and I'm like, no, it's just the piece of land that they were on. That's it. So <laughs> is that, that was... the, the piece of land where Tom Hardy lands on at the? No, end? it's it's where like the ship was docked. They were trying to get okay, everybody okay. on, but basically that whole beach area. Mm-hmm. You know that that dock that juts out. Uh, that's now we're that's talking about mole. Dunkirk. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, but it, it's also even just to kind of paint. I don't know, but it's like it's hard to kind of compare the two because now in my head I'm like, see how good movies are now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, if that's true. And then who knows? In in 15 years from the release of that movie, we might look back and go, man, that was super fucked up. The messages in that movie, like you know, I I doubt it. It doesn't feel that way, but also that those movies don't feel like popcorn either. They don't. You know, they, they, they don't, don't feel they're, like junk they're food. Not, that's, yeah. That's what's so, to me, that is what's so insidious about the depiction of 300. Uh-huh. Uh, even movies that depict, like like uh, Troy, for instance. Have you seen Troy recently? Yeah. No, not recently. I, okay. I just got to remember it when it came so out. So that movie basically tells the you know uh, story of Achilles and uh, Helen of Troy and the Trojan, you know, uh, soldiers getting in with the um, the uh, what's the goddamn big horse called? Big horse. Yeah, big horse. Big hollow horse. Uh, the Trojan horse. There we go. Uh, God, I'm I'm an idiot. My <laughs> fucking brain's fried. Uh, but yet it it depicts how gruesome and bloody. Uh, even though we're talking about like demigod like figures and and legends and stuff like that, it shows the brutality of war and it's not stylized really. It it you know it shows kind of the heartache of of doing battle and and how it's it's not really there's not really glory in it. You know the the glory is only bestowed upon the old men that command everybody else to go into battle, right? And in three hundred. Leonidas, the king himself, is is who decides to go against the the old creepy prophets that 
basically, uh, they they seem you know they're they're lecherous and clearly like they've they've been paid by the Persians to tell Leonidas not to not to go to battle and stuff. They're on the take, so there there's also some weird. I don't know if if you got the vibes. There's some weird like. I don't know. I feel like uh, kind of anti-Semitic qualities to the depiction of those characters. Oh, there, I, there was something I think in the notes that kind of directly, and I, I think I linked to it, but there was one that kind of like, I was like, I feel like I got to do more research because I don't want to speak. Yeah. Out of school I, it, on this just, thing. It, Cause look, it was like, it's just a, it's just a gut reaction. I had, it was, where, I, I saw something that, that mentioned that, that specifically went to say that it was like, the depictions with kind of money and the in on the tape. Yes, kind of thing. yeah, throwing throwing the 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 silver on the ground yeah. and them like like running over to it and them being like creepy perverts and yeah. kind of this shadowy cabal that is kind of like pulling the strings of. Yeah, there's basically what... an article I saw and then it had a link to kind of support their argument. Yeah, and yeah. then I didn't go further in it. You, you know but who I, they but are? I know in, who, in what the, they're pointing to. In the analogy to 2022, they're the deep state. <laughs> you, you know, like they're the ones that are always there, even when Leonidas. Like whenever, whenever his, you know, when he's dead and gone, these people will still be there, like kind of influencing everything uh, behind the scenes, so to speak. Uh, so I kind of got those vibes from from those characters. Um, another thing, another aspect of this is the depiction of and I uh, let me grab his name again, because I'm going to a fealties the hunchback that (laughs) becomes so so this is a whole nother aspect of this and again this is part of the story here right this is not made up whole cloth by uh uh by frank miller or Zack snyder but the depiction of this you know this grotesque depiction of this person who Basically, like the the Spartans, uh, <laughs> it's funny to use these words on this story. That's that's from you know 450 BC or whatever. But a uh, little problematic, guys. A <laughs> little, little problematic, you know. Yeah. Uh, kind of ableist, okay. Yeah, definitely. Kind of able. But but the so the the tale here, but but the thing that the movie doesn't and the problem is that the movie does nothing to counter these things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the issue here. That, and again, I can watch a movie and and just take it on its surface level, uh, but I do think this movie, the impression that it caused on an entire generation of men is what we're really talking about here. Yeah. The, uh, the depiction of someone being disabled and being of no use to this culture. Basically, if you can't fight, you were of no use to us. There is no, like, we don't see any kind of, like, uh, tradesmen, craftsmen, you know, like, like other, other avenues. You either fight or, you know, or, or you're no good to anybody, basically. And Uh, I feel like the story, uh, I guess the comic and also the movie tries to rationalize with, so there was a, like uh, Frank Miller was like, I feel like I wanted to show, I, I wanted to really show that they were the heroes. But if I were being honest to what a Spartan would do, he would have killed him in the moment 
or more so he wouldn't have been able to have grown up long enough to like like spartans were killing people for having like birthmarks yeah exactly. Like essentially if you just weren't completely pure right and completely useful in that situation oh, that, huh that sounds familiar um <laughs> Well, I feel like there was a guy within like maybe the past hundred years that was kind of obsessed with like purity and bloodlines and stuff like. Is that Did ringing a bell? Or, go to middle school with him? Um, I don't think I. I we never tried to apply to art school and got okay. rejected. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> that dude, but like, yeah. So I think like, but that's where the issue with the movie is. It's like. What is it trying to say? Okay, so this is what I think the movie should have done. It just leans it, into everything. Like, I think it just it leans in like on steroids. But it also, it could have... Why did they really have to be heroic? And I understand because they want this movie to make a lot of money, right. so I get it. But I'm like, wouldn't have had a... Even in hindsight, I think like if you would have just painted them as vicious, and he right. would have killed him in the moment because he was Spartan... And then they would have just not really been like complete heroes. I think it would be a more interesting movie. Right. You're because, already taking liberties with the story. Just yeah. just depict it however the fuck you want. Uh, push back even the slightest bit. Because Leonidas, essentially the, pers- the disabled person that wanted nothing but to participate in the culture in which he idolized... Uh, is the villain. He betrays everybody, yeah. right? He should have... The moral of the story, the moral of the movie, is that you should have killed him. Had you killed him, he would not have been able to be a traitor. And this is what you get, parents, that saved your child that is disabled. This is... The, you, thanks a lot, dickheads. Well, yeah. Like, that's that's kind of the message of, of that the, the movie puts out there. Um, and again, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I don't think Frank Miller or Zack Snyder believes this shit. I'm just we're that's just what the movie. But says. it is an interesting thing when you get into like Republican politics and you start. If if anyone's had those kind of family members where you're talking through those kind of issues, when it gets to when you get to the thing and you say like, well, I don't think somebody should, you know, I don't think somebody should like uh, freeze to death in the middle of winter because mm-hmm. they're homeless, and then they're like. Lottie die everyone gets a free house yeah you know yeah. And then it's like <laughs> then you're like i just i gave you a thing and they're like what do you want you want it you want everyone to get free pies on their windowsill like and it's like but it's like i don't you know so they're like you it really does tell this thing of like compassion gets in the way of the end result yeah absolutely you absolutely. know and so it's like compassion in that moment got in the way of the end result yeah. Yeah. and probably led to actually his death which it's essentially the lesson that the movie tells like potentially i guess you're saying if he would have killed you know uh the guy at that point mm-hmm. uh, then they could have been even more victorious but yeah absolutely you know, and, so, and they they weren't yeah. victorious like they <laughs> they they all died in the end of it and that's the other thing is like the the moral of the story is that you should have killed the disabled guy because he's a traitor and he is incapable of understanding the values in which you hold dear. And also there is glory and it's, this is not unique to the movie 300, but that there is glory at, in dying in battle, you know, uh, particularly to protect your homeland from invading Brown people. Um, that, that is, that is the insidious kind of stylized more morality of the story yeah um and which is funny i feel like if 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 movies want to 
paint with that broad of a brush, then I think what's funny isn't the right word. <laughs> just so anyone's listening. But it, okay, so whenever we have even movies that you know they're set in the Middle East and then somebody blows themselves up right. and they say something like Allah at the end and they blow themselves up, like that right. kind of character caricature in a movie. But so we're accepting of it. <laughs> In something like 300 or even in other movies where they set it up as a heroic thing. Right. But we're always taught that they yes. aren't heroes. Yes, exactly. If we're using the same logic, they're fighting invaders yes. coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All this to the like, end. They, yeah. should remake, they should remake a modern version of 300 where it is uh, 300 Taliban fighters fending off uh, invading American forces. Um, or the Mujahideen or, or, you know, uh, Hezbollah or something, yeah. uh, uh, trying to prevent American forces from like passing through this like narrow, uh, opening to a city or some shit. Well, there's something interesting. Uh, so since we're mentioning Frank Miller, he wrote a comic called Holy Terror and, um, it was, it was basically about a fighter fighting Al Qaeda. And it was called by uh, his friend Alan Moore, mm -hmm. who wrote V for a Vendetta, that uh, it was called Islamophobic, and it, and also Frank Miller's been called homophobic and misogynistic by Alan Moore. Which is saying a lot, because Alan Moore has also been called, like, so many things. Sure. You know, because of, like, his work with, like, The Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and, yeah. uh, and blah, and blah, blah. Most, most, uh, worst on that list is communist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, Alan Moore has been called a communist, so um, that that trumps everything else. Everything else is like not nearly as bad as. Yeah, but I wonder if like I think a lot of these dudes, though, uh, the comic book guys. That's like, a joke, by the way, everybody. That's a joke. I'm um, totally kidding. I feel like there was a time frame in the 1980s with like, I don't know, kind of subculture as a whole. Like if we go back to the 70s and we're looking at like R. Crumb books and stuff mm -hmm. like that, like a lot of it was like kind of profanity for profanity's sake right and there were a lot of things where there'd be books of just like people having sex like comic yeah. books like yeah. there wasn't any the, merit boomer boomer humor uh where it was it was just the fact that like you couldn't have pr previous generations you couldn't get away with this shit yeah and now you can and it was like it was like a, a little kid getting into like the cookie jar they just fucking go ape shit because there's nobody there's no restrictions anymore but I think it's interesting at the time because I feel like they were actually kind of like accomplishing something like by pushing against something that wasn't allowed. And like in comics, there were like uh, there was like a it's similar to like the Hayes Code and like uh, film. Yeah, yeah, but there's there's censorship yeah. codes that you couldn't have like decapitations and things anymore after like the 50s on to basically the 80s and 90s. Right. So a lot of these people would work for smaller publishers and. Um, so that's where like Alan Moore and Frank Miller came in. And I think a lot of their work, even with like Batman or Daredevil, like had these themes that people hadn't seen in either ever or in a long time. And so I think sometimes their works are probably they felt at the time. Like if you look at like Avatar publishing, it's just, it's just like, they would just be like blood and boobs and stuff. Right, right. And, but it was just pushing the envelope. And so I don't know if these people were even concerned with how they fell on a political spectrum they thought the biggest enemy was the censor. Sure. And at the time, I would say that it probably was. But it's, 
but it's kind of like as you get into then even as their work progresses, you know, with, like I said, Frank Miller doing Holy Terror, but Frank Miller also doing 300 in 1998. And it's hard to be away from any context. And those censorships, uh, those are all rooted in American Protestantism, you know, like in, in the the tradition, the, the uptight religious traditions of the past of, of like uh, of, of white Christianity. Um, and, and what was okay and not okay. So, so basically white Protestantism is what was always in power. So they were setting the things that were accepted to do, therefore setting what the censorships, right? So, uh, pushing against that meant that like that was the culture. So the counterculture was a direct retaliation uh, to those those values so you lean into the drugs you lean into lgbtq like pride stuff you lean into uh you know women's liberation and and the sexual revolution things like that uh uh and i would argue those are all progressive directions to take um yeah and and eventually though once all of those barriers are down then you get stylized fascism, you know, yeah. like you, you get, you're not, you're not pushing against censors when you make something like 300 because there are no censors, you know, there are no, uh, there is nothing like that to, to push against at, at some point. And then you can turn your artwork into, uh, into, into shit like this that just glorifies the, the fucking, worst lessons the worst kind of ideologies uh you can imagine and, and that's why like like you bringing up all those articles that were written at the time about this like when i had this thought the other day watching it i was not reading film criticism back then like i've <laughs> barely had a computer i was barely on the internet in 2007 you know uh, uh i i didn't know what everybody else's take was other than other than the people immediately around me, which was like, damn, that was cool looking, you know, like that, that, that's literally it. Like whoever I saw the movie with or whoever I got high with and watched, you know, at our apartment or the trailer we used to live in, that's literally the only people's opinions I knew about the movie. So I'm just glad that it was like, obviously I'm, I'm like, shouldn't be surprised that like I'm having this thought in 2022, like, there were smart people writing about movies in 2007, you know, yeah, like, they had like a bigger for, context, you know, damn, they were, they were onto something back then, you know, yeah, like, it was like, hard for us to like, look outside of the trailer we lived in, exactly, you know? like, which exactly. would be a lot of people's case even today. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it feels like, uh, you know, I mean, I understand what this sounds like. It's, it feels like a privilege to be able to expound on kind of how this affects the world where some people are just like, man, I don't fucking know if I have enough money for whatever this week, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so, but like kind of back to some of the, uh, I guess controversies is what it says sure, under, sure. uh, with Frank Miller. Um, so he got, so with Holy Terror again, cause I kind of, I think this kind of like paints the kind of idea of the, well, others used in a different context, but how he kind of paints the other. So the protagonist hero fights Al Qaeda terrorists. So Miller made a remark about Islamic terrorism and Islam saying, I was raised Catholic, and I could tell you a lot about the Spanish Inquisition, but the mysteries of the Catholic Church elude me. And I could tell you a lot about Al-Qaeda, but the mysteries of Islam elude me too. And then he also said, like, in 2011, 
he said uh, uh, remarks about Occupy Wall Street. It says nothing but a a pack of louts, thieves, and rapists fed by Woodstock era nostalgia and putrid <laughs> uh, false righteousness. And so, okay, so I think that there's like this thing. I, I that, wouldn't. I wouldn't even. Uh... I wouldn't completely disagree with yeah, the, it's, the false righteousness part. Well, like, I think what's interesting, though, is, like, I feel like wherever kind of he's landed, and it could be different than how he felt in 2011, right. but, like, it starts feeling like if you've set up your life to be against something, and then those things start lifting, like we were saying with the sensors, mm-hmm. And then you kind of still feel like you have to be against something. Right. Then you're just like, then I guess maybe you become devout Catholic guy as a response. But your right. only, your only yeah, thing you, you know is, is against. I mean, you li- you can literally see that trajectory in some certain online personalities. Yeah. Where, yeah. where you, get the, you get the horseshoe effect where they start out, uh, you know, as a shit lib and then like slowly do the horseshoe thing. And eventually they're, they're convinced or trying to convince you that being a traditional catholic is the actually the, the punkest the, thing you can do the yeah. punkest thing you can do or the like it's it's the it's actually um the the, the most i don't even know what the word is i'm, I'm searching for counterculture um, or, you know, yeah or, or i don't even know if it's like counterculture thing but it's like they they just hold that up as the the ideal you know like they they get around they they circle all the way back around now they say Um, anti-woke agenda is the new yeah exactly exactly you're not really against i I want to say i like like i want to i want to believe in the holy trinity and say the r slur against uh mentally disabled people like that's what they that's what they think being anti-woke is and and like you know what i'm saying like that that's what they think that's like what they eventually circle back around to because like you said you're right like when you are when, when your ideology is to when it can be encapsulated into contrarianism and that's it ultimately that's all you're actually being because every few years you like end up having to reinvent yourself because like like we were talking about like the the tides change but you still need to push against something ultimately you will circle back around you'll do a 360 and and for anybody with with the slight slightest critical analysis of your political journey realizes you're full of shit like that's yeah. that's ultimately what it what it ends up being is just you're you don't believe in anything you're just full of shit yeah i feel like it's like when i think about who i was in like 2007 it's like i feel like there was this you know was that around the time like ron paul was a thing or that might have been like a few mm-hmm. years later uh ron paul uh, he, he ran in i'm pretty sure he ran in 2008 yeah because i feel like there were a bunch of people that were you know, that were trying to like find their identity and kind of sure, signed sure. up with Ron Paul, but then like eventually were like, I guess I just wanted weed legalized. Yeah. You know? yeah and then, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's like, and then certain documentaries were coming out around the time or certain ways of thinking. Like, sure. it was a weird time where even like Alex Jones was almost like a left wing figure, sort yeah, of. Man. Like, it yeah. wasn't like it didn't oh, have yeah, a home. He was, he was, you know, very... I think we've talked about this on the pod yeah, a lot, yeah, just we, that we kind of floating the... nature the evolution of of whoever like he uh was very anti bush very anti us getting into to war and stuff uh, at least like 
on his, on his show he was like what he personally believed i don't fucking know who knows he's a grifter like he yeah, doesn't yeah. believe in anything ultimately again you have the slightest bit of critical analysis you you understand these people are full of shit but what he was spouting was that we were going over there for oil uh you know going going to the middle east and it wasn't about 9-11 it wasn't about weapons of mass destruction uh he was spouting 9-11 conspiracy theories and shit and then again these people when you're a grifter you go where your audience takes you that's if if you didn't then you literally wouldn't be a grifter because you have an ideology that you are actually you have spine to it right but when you're a grifter whichever whichever way the audience takes you because the audience is the one that has the money that you're trying to get that's what you follow that's why you see you see the same path every time somebody uh uh basically gets gets canceled so to speak which in other words gets held accountable for something shitty they do it's the same like you can you can set your fucking watch to it the shows that they're going to go on yeah. the way they're going to apologize uh, who they're going to like the the, What's the step one? by step yeah. you can see it happen. There's the one guy. Um, he was on like Silicon Valley that got canceled. Um, TJ TJ uh, Miller. TJ uh, yeah. Miller is like already on. I know he was already on like Daily Wire comedy night or something <laughs> right. with like like Adam Carolla and you know yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why William Shatner was on there but he's like ninety <laughs> so whatever. But like TJ Miller's on that now, so kind of see that. And I feel like uh, Chris D'Elia has been yeah, kind of like yeah, you know yeah. with that kind of thing. It's like it's like well if uh, you know, but it's weird to kind of like. It's like, well, if no one wants me, then uh, I guess I'm with these guys. Yeah. And well, that's it, like a weird, and you're like, you didn't really learn yeah. anything. You you, you, the, these people got into what they do for attention. And eventually, if the people that are generally on the right side of history about topics stop wanting to give you attention, you go to the other people. Because the other people will take it because they're desperate for anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like the the conservative side, they'll they'll like, even even if a few years prior, a stand-up comic is just eviscerating Republicans and conservatism and Trump and everything they hold valuable. If that guy gets caught and canceled for doing something shitty, he will immediately immediately almost every time remake his image to appeal to right-wing conservatives yeah the funniest they'll, example of they'll that take is anybody like when he didn't really i guess get canceled per se but he knew where the money was going is that uh wtf episode with gallagher where uh, <laughs> yeah. he was kind of like why did you start putting like racist jokes in your thing like when did that happen because it's like why would you ever think of Gallagher? Oh, you know, come on, Gallagher! You know, but like, like calling Gallagher to question, but it's like to say. I mean, it feels really silly, but it's like to kind of see them kind of like, oh, that's where the money is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't it's, know. It's just like, it's but business. even like when I'm thinking about, so it's interesting with Zack Snyder because I'm like, okay, he's a old, you know, much older man than us, but it's like. I wonder if there was almost like a similar trip that we were going on as like essentially children, you know, where we were like, okay, I feel like as a kid starting college, like 
uh, in like late high school, you know, when like that, uh, the loose change documentaries came out and yeah, you would yeah. watch them and be like, well, I guess there are questions and you'd kind of get them. But then you kind of like, well, there I mean, is I a still, question. I still think Bush did it in 11. Yeah. I, I but believe like, that before loose change and I believed it afterwards. And like so. the Enron documentary. And I feel like they, <laughs> they kind of like ask you to start asking questions yeah, and then yeah. you're kind of like, well, I think this is really what question this is asking, not the right, ones that they're right. trying to feed me. Uh, and so I wonder I mean, if in a Fahrenheit way... Fahrenheit 9-11 was the most mainstream version of that, where True. Yeah. Michael Moore was saying, like, essentially, not that Bush did 9-11, but he knew something. He was ge- being given briefings well in advance, saying that there was an imminent attack, and they were essentially ignored, which I, well, you know... it, it is true regardless. in a sense of, like, if we say... So if we're looking at the figurehead at that moment as the ideals of America, Bush mm-hmm. at that time... Bush did 9-11. You know, it's like the policies that America enacted, starting with, like, the fall of the Soviet Union and before it, if we watch Rambo 3, which is where I get all my political uh, things from. (laughs) Like, in that movie, they're they're giving guns to al-Qaeda. Yeah, yeah. In that movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I don't mean, think they I don't think it was called Al Qaeda at the time, but they're giving guns. Yeah, they were giving to, it they were they know, were giving Stinger uh rockets to to destroy the in Russian fucking Rambo three. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's 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 and very he well cries in that Rambo. Yeah, and there was a buyback program. I, I don't know if how familiar you are with that story, but the CIA armed all of these warlords over there to uh basically bring down Russian helicopters with mm-hmm. these Stinger uh rockets basically man i told you i already watched rambo 3 <laughs> but then the funnier part is that uh after russia pulled out of afghanistan rambo 4 so then the cia realizes fuck all of these guys are now armed to the teeth with stinger missiles or rockets i don't i'm, I'm getting the terminology wrong uh that we just gave them so then they instituted a buyback program singer's a stone cold thing so uh <laughs> Fucking idiot. Uh, so then they started buying, like they cash they, for clunkers. They, essentially, yeah, because they <laughs> they they told all of these guys, "Hey, we want our our weapons back," and the guys said, "No." They're like, they're like, we don't know where they're at. You know, they would like come up with an excuse. Then they instituted a buyback program and started paying seventy five to a hundred thousand dollars per stinger rocket that they had given out for free to these like tribal warlords in the area and shit uh so then the the goddamn uh uh people that that they were buying the rockets back from took that money and started buying small arms to arm what eventually became al-qaeda so yeah. that is that is a direct like line the cia got involved over there and essentially set it up to where they funded what ended up being the modern Al Qaeda and, and Taliban and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. So, uh, so it, it's like I guess like to that point that I was kind of making. It's like so I imagine if we're kind of giving Zack Snyder a little credit, like I'm assume like assume he's on the same trip as us. So I feel like at some point. Um, so it one of the quotes he said was uh, kind of like the narrator of the story was. Never let a little truth get in the way of telling a good story. Sure. And then kind of like back to what he said earlier, though, it's like then you can't kind of use the, oh, I showed it to historians. It's got to be one or the other. Yeah. And and then there was like a point for a long period of time, Zack Snyder was saying that he was going to make Fountainhead, the movie. 
and because okay. he said he was obsessed with like that story. The, I, don't, the, I don't know what the fuck the story of Fountainhead is. Is that like, is that uh, is that a David Lynch movie? <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. yeah <laughs> the guy. Um, so like Fountainhead's like Ayn Rand, and okay. um, it's like a story essentially of like. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is, like, to do with, like, self-determination and kind of, like, being your own creative guide. Like, kind of uh, allowing yourself, the, pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. Her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so he, but he kind of recently said that he didn't want to, so he said he didn't want to make the movie because he feels like the country isn't where it was when he made that and he didn't want people he said he wanted to make that story because he feels like it's a good story right, right but he said it's it's impossible now because he said that because of the political climate well he said that but he actually made a better point to go with that he was like so essentially he's like i find myself a very liberal guy i'm kind of paraphrasing and he mm -hmm. was like he was like and if we don't have those things in place you know those things like he's like if uh you know and once again, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he was like, I support, you know, minorities and like LGBT people and right, I want right, the right. reproductive rights. And he kind of went through all the, all right, of that. Right. The and he's like, if we don't have these things in place, then it kind of, it matters what I'm playing. At. It, it's, it's the, like, it's the difference between, uh, a, uh, uh, film, basically just describing a film plot and then film criticism it's film criticism is uh analyzing a movie in the context of the society in which it came out in yeah if that makes sense so what he's saying is it's not the right time because people are suffering from not having these rights from not having you know health care from not having uh, you know, at the time of the interview, maybe gay marriage, uh, you know, hadn't been decided upon by the Supreme Court and it's still under threat now. Abortion rights, all of that shit. So, like, the society needs to progress a little more in order to uh, have this movie not just be a calling card for conservatives to look at and idealize. Yeah, because I think, like, probably in 2007, his belief point was he could make this movie 300. Devoid yeah. of anything he actually believed. He's like, <laughs> I just want to tell the story. And so it feels like it's like he, he knows by experience that is not the case. You can't yeah, make art yeah. in a vacuum. Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly. like, well, you can't make roller coasters in a vacuum. Well, I mean, because yeah. I've never seen a vacuum big enough to get in there and like make a movie or a roller coaster, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then they're getting smaller every day with smaller, I know, exactly. Yeah. Dyson's got all this crazy technology. Yeah. Um, but. All right, we've been going at it for like over an hour about this movie. Uh, listeners, watch 300. Tell us what you thought of it. Did we get any of this right, or is this me and Josh just rambling incoherently uh, about uh, a movie that we saw when we were like 21, 22 years old? Yeah. They, I know there's so much that we left off because it's like there's a lot of context of like, People say that people say that one of the bigger, not bigger, but like one of the things that also was bad about when this movie came out is then in an extension, South Park did the parody episode. So then a dumb idea gets 
dumbed down even Dumber. more. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then there's like in that I think in that Reddit thread. And then the seminal classic Meet the Spartans comes out. Well, know? there's like a dude that fucking said on Reddit, and so whatever. Um, I I'm just gonna take him at face value because yeah, yeah, he didn't have any reason to, but whatever. And he was essentially like he's been walked up to because he's like brown skin he said he is iranian uh-huh. and he said that people would just uh and i it's like if this is true it's so fucked up he said that people would walk up to him and kick him no, in the back and no. say yeah god damn it yeah. what the fuck yeah which is why oh my god yeah they, i mean it's it's complete nervous yeah, it's, laughter because oh, it's, 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 it's like true. It, I'm, yeah i'm laughing because i can imagine the type of dipshit to do that, particularly in middle school or high school. Yes, this this movie absolutely. Again, again, we're we're 15 years removed from the release of this movie. The stupid ass impressionable kids. If you were 15 at the time, you're 30 now. You are middle like like you are are you're obviously you've been voting age for a long time. You are raising a family like those stupid things that, 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 uh, you consume when you're that age. Uh, I, I am convinced this movie did far more damage than we probably realize or, or, admit at the time because it's not a it's not an intellectual film right it's not a movie that people revisit and analyze 15 years later it's not it's not something it's not a movie that won a bunch of awards or was critically acclaimed that that people would would spend the time discussing at depth however i i cannot i i don't think you can under or oversell just how much it influenced the thinking of a bunch of young, stupid men that consumed it uh, from the ages of 10 to 25, probably. Uh, and yeah. that's a that's a large that's a lot of people over over these and, and continue to, you know, like like I'm sure people still watch this movie for the first time today uh, because it's a action flick, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and whether they realize it or not, it probably reinforces you either are revulsed by it, probably, or it reinforces notions uh, that your racist grandpa is trying to instill in you. You know, yeah, before it truly let you go, when I was watching this uh it was uh, so Sarah was in another room, and uh, she kept running scenes back because on Apple TV you can control it on your on your uh, on her phone because uh-huh. we have like an Apple remote on her phone. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so there was the scene. Can't had money. <laughs> there was a scene in it where uh, Leonidas is like getting the uh, squad together. Yeah, kind of yeah. every it's it's a one by one thing. Right, so it's right. pretty tedious scene. But it just kept, I, so I was like half paying attention, I guess, and then it just kind of kept going through people, right? For fucking ever. And then I look up again, and I'm like, so I was probably like on my phone, and then I'm like, wait, that motherfucker already got introduced, and I didn't notice she was doing it so well. I think she was behind me at that point, like in, in the kitchen. So she was kitchen, just fucking with you, fucking with me, and just like, so I was you. just like, <laughs> just it just went on over and over, and it was, but it was also just like. Michael Fassbender. It's like right, fucking. Yeah. There's so many people that are in this movie. Yeah, uh, Jerry Butts, of course, Leonidas, Dominic and then, West. Yeah, Dominic West, McNulty. Um, 
And yeah, it's so not even completely <laughs> just that thing where it's just and then she just kind of kept doing it, and then eventually I thought it was just like our internet or like a bad file or something. Um, so That's she funny got as me. Hell. So, yeah. so yeah, but let us know, people. Uh, please revisit this. There's so much I know that we left off. Uh, yeah, just yeah. I'm I just something that that I meant to touch on earlier. Just talking about how there's there's nobody from Sparta that's depicted as anything but this like warrior class. Uh, they even like take a shot at the dudes that join up with them, and they say like, "What's your trade?" And he's like, "I'm a farmer." And he's like, "What do you do?" And he goes, "I'm a blacksmith or whatever." You know, like those guys are viewed as lesser than because they're not these fucking roid raged out. Uh, you know, uh, don't think, just act. Like you know, oh, oh, oh. You know, like just they're all one hive mind type shit. Uh, that's another aspect we we should have gone down, but it's just more that that kind of diet fascist aesthetic that uh, really creeps you out in hindsight. Once you once you watch this movie, having experienced the past fifteen years, it's like, God damn, man, this is yeah. this really it plugs into so much fucking exactly. Up stuff. Uh, it really does. It really does. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening to this Patreon episode. Uh, again, watch the movie. Uh, sound off in the comments. Uh, we'll we'll uh, put a tweet up about it and let us know what you think. Bye. Bye.